0: this is the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from anfield
1: hello and welcome to the latest blood red podcast from the liverpool echo i'm matt addison on hosting duties once again as we look back at liverpool's premier league opener and at some interesting comments bells the boss frank lapard to discuss all of the latest Reds talking points i've got alongside me for the latest blood red podcast our Liverpool correspondents, both home and away, Paul Ghost and also Connor Don. Gorsty, first of all, how are you getting on?
2: Yeah, uh, back at on Saturday for the game. Um, still a little bit surreal and, and uh, stared out about the fans there, but it's good to be back. And um, through to form, Liverpool kept me until the final minute before me uh, hastily rewritten match match. So, um, back a lot last season, so hopefully it doesn't happen as often as it did last season.
1: Yeah, it certainly was an excellent game, wasn't it? And Connor Dunn also alongside us. Connor, how are things for you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, Matt. It's my
0: last day in self quarantine today after my missus got coronavirus, so I'm very pleased to be able to go outside and enjoy some sunshine.
1: Yeah, it's a delightful day, certainly. Something for you to, to look forward to. Hopefully that sticks around for a few days. But, uh, on the, the podcast then, we'll start obviously with a chat about Liverpool's 4-3 victory over Leeds United on Saturday. An incredible match, as we said, Gorsdian. You were there. What did you make of the game?
2: I thought they'd look very sharp going forward. Um, obviously, with navigating there, you'd always expect that a little bit more than normal with the traditional midfielders, shall we say. Yeah. But obviously Mohamed Salah was the main man, and I think that bodes well season, obviously running with a hat. Um, I think teams can look to limit Trent Alexander-Arnold's influence, and that will free up space for Salah for, for the rest of the season. So I think that bodes well. But uh, the build looked completely shaky at the back of it, with so many uncharacteristic errors. Veja um, Van Dyke was, was obviously the big one, um, there was another one but let's say he goal where he just kind of breezes past midfield and no-one's tracking him. So, clutch uh, after the game and I was movement defensive-wise, and he was, um, he was, of course, right about that, but he didn't seem as concerned as most others were with the, the defending, and at first I, I would kind of agree with him and thought, well, Liverpool have the best defensive record in the Premier League for the last two years, so this probably isn't going to become a regular thing. But then I had a little think about it, and I thought, Liverpool have actually been conceding quite a lot of goals for a good few months now, obviously dating back to when they, when they were well beaten for a Um So hopefully that is kind of something that is worked on at with over the, the next few weeks because Liverpool are going to have to be at the best defensively when they go to Chelsea on Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into more detail on those defensive troubles and the Sinsley of Mohamed Salah as well, Connor. But I suppose the, the first thing to say is that it's a promising start to the season for the Reds, and they got the three points one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those
0: game games where you felt in the last sort of fifteen minutes or so, Liverpool were they pen leads back in. They're starting to get more chances. Leeds weren't really getting out, and you're thinking this is going to be another another time Liverpool have just found another way to win. Didn't the squad come out last year? They had five hundred ways to win, and probably another way to win now. Um, but yeah, I mean some. Sensational performance from Salah. He was unbelievably sharp. He was head and shoulders above everybody else on the pitch. Um he just looked absolutely bang at it. I think we said in the early season that he looked fitter, stronger. And I think you totally saw that. Um but then there was a there was obviously a difference in quality. You know, when he, him and Manny took on a few of the lead players a couple of times, Kate obviously had a few decent runs and as Gorgi said Liverpool looked really good going forward. For me, no guilty of missing or wasting a couple of chances. Um perhaps could have taken on a shot where he should have uh, little bits and pieces there but yeah I was wondering in terms of the defence when we were talking there I thought actually it had been a bit to do with the midfield because Henderson was way off the pace which you can totally expect obviously coming back from injury not having the best preseason, not having much preseason out in Austria with boys and whatever I just thought he was he just lacked a little bit and uh, I feel people missed Fabinho's position in a lot I was really surprised that Fabinho didn't start actually and I just felt that that didn't help the defence at all. And the, the lines just looked a little bit all over the place. And I think Klopp was saying actually after the team that for the first goal, the two facts were behind the two centre-backs, which is, you've, I've just never seen that for Liverpool before. And then uh, in the game itself, I don't think, oh, I can't remember any team that's outpassed and possession Liverpool Anfield for three, four years at the least. And then I don't think Liverpool will face a team that plays that intense football probably again this season and outworking Liverpool on the pitch which was so strange to see but in the same coin Leeds aren't going to be able to play like that every game of the season physically not possible so amazing just to get the three points and get over the line really it probably wasn't the ideal fixage to be opening up with for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I think that was it, wasn't it, Ghosty? It was always going to be a, a tricky fixture. We've seen Leeds, obviously in the Championship over the last couple of seasons, play exactly like that. And as Connor says, they're going to cause a fair few teams a few problems this season.
2: Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, fair when they came to Anfield, they weren't overawed in the slightest, um, and, and they had the right guard, didn't they? I think they've got um, a few, quite a few decent players. Um, Jack Allison on, on the wing looks like a good player. Obviously, click it in, in midfield and. Phillips, who's now a fully fledged England international, isn't he? So there's quite a bit of quality in there, and obviously still looking to, to improve on that and building. And your build protein Rodrigo Rodrigo, um, for 20-odd million, I think. So I think they'll have a good season. I think what tense, the general theme with Leeds is they, they run out of steam in the second half of the season because of how uh, intense that Marcelo Bielsa has them and, and how well-drilled they are. And, and we've seen that early on, really, you know, it's like strikers throwing slide tackles in just to give away goal kicks that was just a little bit unnecessary and needless, but that is how he has them playing. You know, they, they, they absolutely fight for every single ball and will cause problems. I don't expect them to have too many issues with regards to stay I think they will stay up comfortably and, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be difficult when, when they will eventually go to Elland Road.
1: Let's talk about the, the main man, Mohamed Salah, then, Connor, obviously. Two of his goals were penalties, but he was exceptional all-action. It's quite often levelled at him that he's almost a selfish player. But actually, I thought on Saturday, he was instrumental to everything that Liverpool did in a a sort of whole attacking sense, if you like.
0: Yeah, well, I think, of course, he said, I think Leeds look to limit Trent a bit more than perhaps other teams have done. And I think in the past, we've seen two or three defenders constantly around Salah. But where Leeds have had him... A lot of the time, 1v1. It just looked unbelievable, didn't he? So, you know, I, they couldn't really get near him. That second goal couldn't have hit it any better. It's just incredible. Um, it's difficult to score two penalties in the game because the keeper knows where you want to go for your first. I just thought he was just exuding confidence. I thought he could have scored more than that. He just, yeah, he was central to everything Liverpool were doing. And every time, in fact, well, every time Liverpool went forward, you thought, something was going to happen but every time Salah had the ball you really felt he was making his runs he was cutting inside it was like the Salah of first season Liverpool where he was able to cut across the box get whips with his left foot yeah just thought he looked absolutely excellent and
1: looking forward to seeing a bit more of that this season. Yeah 97 goals and 41 assists 154 Liverpool appearances also the first player to score a hat-trick on the opening day for Liverpool since John Aldridge in 1988 so not bad for a one season wonder Gorsi
2: strange how many people were were levelling there in the second season wasn't it Um, I think I think he might even be in the top 10 now of Liverpool goal scorers in in, in the Premier League uh, sorry in in the league which is incredible really when you think he's only had three full seasons Um, he's been Liverpool's top scorer every single year probably going to win it again he's he's up and running already isn't he Um, he's just an absolute superstar I think he probably Liverpool's one true superstar if you think of in terms of you know off the pitch profile and, and so on he's he would be certainly up there with you know anyone else you want to name um in terms of global profile at the moment uh footballer um liverpool are looking to have and he's been an absolute revelation since uh he joined from roma over three years ago and for all you can
0: say about you know mané last season i do believe was better for liverpool than salah was but Every time I don't, know, I don't know if you feel it as well, but every time I feel with Salah on the pitch, something can happen. Just something else can happen. He's just got that bit of just that bit of gold dust that's so, so rare. Obviously, scoring goals in football is the hardest thing to do because everyone's trying to stop you. And he's just got that something, something about him, even if he's not playing well, you have that half expectation that
1: he's gonna score. Yeah, you, you mentioned Roberto Firmino before, Connor, obviously a, a slight concern for Liverpool, but I suppose you could sort of flip it the other way around and say, well, if Salah is that good, it, it doesn't really matter if one or two other players are, are not at their best because he can just drag this Liverpool team over the line at times.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Liverpool would be silly to rely on one player. Um, I feel like it needs a contribution from more and I think they were they were lucky in a sense to come away with all three points, really. Um at the weekend, but I know Firmino obviously has a different role. I just felt there was a couple of situations where should have passed, should have shot instead of passing, should have passed instead of shooting. She should have just made a little bit more of the opportunities. And there was a there was a one on one I think where he got slid in. I can't remember who it was by. Was it Salah maybe? And uh, yeah, he should have made a lot better. That I just it will come. It will definitely come. And obviously, it's the first game of the season. It's been a bit of disjointed pre-season, things like that. But yeah, just. Toby Vazipi but for me I thought he could have done a bit better
1: Any concerns for you on that front because we know he didn't score too many times at Anfield last season and he didn't really look like scoring again on Saturday
2: A little bit a little bit for the the first time I think a really started I think probably should have done a lot better with with some things I mean as you mentioned earlier about his record at Anfield the only goal he scored at Anfield was, was the final home game of the season wasn't it and it was a Textbook number nine, Heather, wasn't it, from a great cross from Alexander Arnold. he just needs to kind of maybe get, get a little bit more of a self-streak in him um, because he, he's number nine, he, he's in there to score goals. Obviously, he brings so much more to the team, which is why his his goal record, particularly at home and on field, was all up so last season. Like Conor mentioned there, that chance when he went through and he just kind of had a lazy stab at it when, you know, that was the big chance for 4-3. I think he just needs to maybe just get a little bit of a more of a selfish streak in him because um you know he's a wonderful player we I mean, and so much to the team. But um I'd like to see him, you know, as Conor says, shooting when when he should be shooting rather than look for look for a teammate. And I think if he gets that into his game and it a few more goals then, you know, we can start to see that the return that he got what was it, three years ago when he I think he scored twenty seven, because um, he's obviously capable of doing it.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a concern around Firmino, and I suppose you'd have to say as well, Connor, a little bit of a concern on the defence as well. It was a bit more like 7-18 Liverpool with lots of goals going forward, but looking a bit shaky at the back as well.
0: Yeah, um, as I said before, the lines were all wrong and they did look shaky. It did remind me of Liverpool, but we'll, we'll outscore you what happened, which is exciting for the neutral fan, but it's not really what you want to be doing. Um, especially when you know Liverpool had a, such a, an incredible defense, or the best defense in Europe for the last couple of seasons. Um, I said that I think there was a little bit of issues with the midfield and the positioning. There's a couple of really avoidable goals. Van Dijk doesn't make that mistake 99 times out of 100. Um, tracking click Jones had just come on after Henson off, you've been on two minutes and just click run through, and obviously. Great finish, made the most of his chance, but two really avoidable goals and two tiny tweaks for Klopp to point out and be like, look, don't make that mistake, track your runners. And those two goals aren't, are just, just don't even exist. Um, slightly concerned maybe that Liverpool didn't score any goals from open play. It was all set pieces, but then that's, I guess, a testament to Leeds and how well, dre- how well drilled they were. Um, that was maybe what I'd more look at than the defensive kind of errors, I would say, because I feel like errors are more easily. Um, more easily improved upon um but yeah not scoring from a player foot was an interesting one
1: yeah definitely i mean just to, to stick with the the defense course i suppose the question has to be asked that, that liverpool almost didn't function that well as a collective obviously connor says van dijk isn't going to make those mistakes week in week out but the more collective errors and in, in terms of you know the, the zigzag of a line at times that's a bit more of a concern
2: Particularly, I thought for Clicks goal where he just kind of runs beyond the midfield, goes into into the position to score. But I think, I think what did the lead score from all three of their shots on target? Is that
0: right? Yeah, three shots, three shots on target. Yeah,
2: so maybe it wasn't as bad as as it looks. Um, that's probably not going to happen every game, is it? Where a team scores every shot they have on target. So. Liverpool clearly limited leads, opportunities. It was just the fact that the ones they gave up were, were very good ones and scoreable ones. And I think you've got to give them credit as well. I mean, particularly uh, Jack Harrison's goal. Um, he's brought that down with three or four touches and come inside Alexander Arnold and Gomez. Left them on the heels and then stuck it away. So you know that was that was a very good goal. Um,
0: if somebody like Aubameyang scores that goal, people be absolutely buzzing yeah. about it. So
2: exactly, yeah. So um said, you know space for improvement i imagine they will kind of um tighten up over the next few weeks i think missing fabinho was a big thing as well because he brings so much cover to that that back line doesn't he so not having him in there was a big miss and, a, and probably on reflection a big mistake
0: the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo
1: Yeah, we know how important, Connor that rhythm is to this Liverpool team. and We have seen with breaks in the past, when you think of the winter break and project restart and and now this little break after pre-season as well. Liverpool have at times looked a little bit disjointed after they've had a couple of weeks away from playing. Do you think there's maybe something in that and, and possibly over the next couple of weeks as the players get sharper, the defensive line might improve? I absolutely doubt the
0: defensive line will improve just because of how good it is and the quality in that back line. You think in Van Dijk and Alisson are two of the best defensive or the rear guard and to the best rear guard in Europe. Um, in terms of the breaks, I wouldn't be too. good. And obviously, we know how good Klopp is at man managing. You know how good Klopp is getting players to play their best, and he loves having time off to work on things. Obviously, project restart was a totally different kettle of fish. I think the. I think that would have been so intense for them still not having caught it over the line, having to wait all, it's all you would have been thinking about that whole time. So I think that would, that, I don't think too much reading to that It's just such a unique, difficult situation. Um, and then if you look back at the first, free game, first game of last season, it's Norwich four goals for that, and four goals, Leeds four goals. So it's not totally true that they don't come back firing on all cylinders. Um, I just think it was a couple of defensive mistakes and things to work on going forward, which I
1: definitely, assume Klopp will do as of day tomorrow and This is a question on the defence then Paul, I mean a lot of fans I'm sure will be thinking that the transfer market is the solution but is there another way of going about it do you think or, or will that be the way that Jurgen Klopp goes?
2: Um, well I actually asked him on, on Friday in the press conference what's the kind of plan for his for centre-backs, you know I said Favinho's played there as an emergency or choice at times uh, and it, but mentioned the fact that he played there against Bayern in and Anfield last season, or season before last. Um, I think he played there against Brighton as well away. Um, so that is does seem to be the option at the moment, which um, for me is it, a big concern. I, I've made no secret of that. I think, I think Liverpool's certainly near the fourth choice centre back to come in, um, but who that is, I'm not sure. I mean. Uh, just, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be somebody, they're not going to be playing every week, are they? So they're going to be coming in for X amount of games. And, and it's a difficult sell to a player, um, particularly a quality player, knowing that they've got a tough task to, to, you know, come through the ranks and establish themselves in that first team, particularly we all know it's going to be Virgil Like and someone else next to him. So um, it's a difficult one for Liverpool to to, um, to solve but for me I, I, I do think they need a centre-back but as Klopp said on Friday it doesn't appear to be the way for him at the moment
1: and just staying as well with you Gorsty, on this one another sort of transfer question that Jürgen Klopp will have to ponder is over the course of, of next season what will happen with Ryan Brewster of course not even on the bench on Saturday do you think that perhaps offers a hint as to what he might be thinking in terms of his future
2: Possibly, yeah. I mean, I was told last week that Liverpool actually aren't against Severn, for which, considering the high hopes that I know that they've, they've had for him for the last few years, was a bit of a surprise. Um, he had a fantastic second half of the season, had, uh, Swansea last season, and I think I look forward to seeing him, seeing him in the League club, seeing how he gets on in, in the top division this season, with the knowledge that if he is a and success, then he can come back as a Liverpool player. He's um, got loads of teams after him. Um, I think seven Premier League teams and, and the three teams were relegated last season. They've all made their interests known. There's probably more that we're not aware of as well. So he's a player in demand and, and I think Liverpool are, are quite relaxed about the situation because they don't need to make it decision for the best part of the month. And He's not going to be someone who, who's starting every game in between that. So I think Liverpool, they've got a big decision to make but I think they've, they've still got a few weeks to make that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a big decision, isn't it, Connor? Because we saw both Divok Origi and Takumi Minamino were on the bench. Minamino didn't, of course, get on after he had a fantastic preseason. I suppose that just underlines really the the challenge that Liverpool have got with all of these forward players. Yeah, absolutely. You
2: think
0: obviously Minamino you know, come and did an amazing preseason. Uh Klopp trusted Origi on off the bench to grab his winner as he sometimes does. Um, but yeah, really interesting for Brewster because Not making that bench, I think, probably says quite a lot about that he is going to go this summer. Personally speaking, I I think he should go on loan. Of course, he said I would love to see him on loan at a Premier League club, go and bang 15 goals in and come back as a proper number nine. And it would be the dream, wouldn't it? But, you know, if clubs are in sort of 20 million pounds, he's got no Premier League experience. um, It would be hard to turn down for Liverpool, I would say. Um, So it's a really interesting one
1: going forward. Yeah, I'm sure if he does leave Liverpool, will have a buyback clause and probably a loan clause inserted into that deal as well. And I suppose another player who was missing over the weekend, Gosty Zed and Shakiri not on the bench for Liverpool either. What on earth happens with him now? Because I suppose it's just a, a really strange situation for the for the player and probably for Jürgen Klopp as well. Yeah,
2: definitely. I mean, I think he's played I mean, I think he come on against Arsenal, did he? And before that is only minutes this calendar kind of year it was about 20 seconds against january such a strange situation Um obviously he's had repeated injuries i think he struggled a lot with the calf problem Um the are open to settlement they have been for quite some time if you know severe enrollment in in january and clock basically said that, you know it's all hands on deck between now and the end of the season so no for now but um, I think that interest would have would have came back had it not been for the obviously the situation that Club fan And Liverpool were open to some so we would have seen them go, but as it stands, maybe there's a little bit of brinkmanship from interested teams who trying to wait as long as they can to see if they can get a cut price deal. Um but again I think there might be one that Liverpool are relaxed on and if they don't get for their will stay and, um could be a useful option for Clock and so winter this season if he gets himself in. but that at the moment, that seems
1: to be the, the big if. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll move on from United. Frank Lampard,
0: of course, not Hang happy. On, Matt, with sorry. Comments. Just before we move on, I want to mention one thing because I saw it on Twitter earlier today, and obviously there was loads of kick off about the first penalty, loads of rival clubs saying not a pen, not a pen, not a pen. So I urge anyone listening to this go on to Dale Johnson's Twitter. He's, he works for ESPN. He's done a really good thread on why exactly it's a penalty, and essentially, it's FIFA referees, and they've changed the. The wording around it so if the player is looking to block cross or a shot and is trying to spread his body then the handball we're going to see a lot more handball penalties this season so you can tell all your friends that support different clubs that it definitely is a pen
1: <laughs> i just wanted to mention that before we moved on <laughs> yeah not a problem two stonewall penalties i think but, uh, obviously liverpool haven't had that many penalties at anfield over the last couple of seasons so uh yeah certainly a turnout for the books as I said, then we'll move on to to Frank Lampard. Obviously, some interesting comments from him about Jurgen Klopp and how much Liverpool have spent in comparison to his team. He said he wasn't annoyed by what Klopp had said, but he was amused. Of course I know you've written something on the Echo's website about this, and I mean Frank Lampard might not find Klopp's comments amusing, but the Liverpool fans might find Lampard's response funny.
2: Yeah, it's a. It's one of those things, isn't it, when if you're not speaking about another team or another player in hugely glowing terms, then it's automatically assumed it must be a dig or a jive or a pope or whatever, and I actually don't think there was too much wrong with with Lampard's comments. I don't think there was anything wrong with Klopp's comments either. You know, Klopp actually said we can't behave like Chelsea, which is a fact. Liverpool can't go out with 200 million in the transfer market the same way that Chelsea obviously have done this season, so I thought that was a fair comment, and I thought Lampard kind of bringing up the, the recruitment of Liverpool's team, you know, the last few years with, I think you mentioned Alisson, Van Dijk, Neo, you know, Cater and, and Salah, um, you know, he's right. Um, Liverpool obviously have spent a lot over the last four years up until last two summers. Um, so 2016 and 2018 were all huge, particularly 2018 when across the calendar year they spent about £250 million. so thought both comments were fair and, and um, they'll obviously be built up and the fans will have to say on both sides as they tend to do, but I don't actually think there's too much wrong with either of them and maybe that just adds a little bit more spice for the weekend's game, but Liverpool beat Chelsea shouldn't need any more hype the, than it already will be.
1: Yeah, what did you make of the, the comments, Connor? I know a lot of Liverpool fans will well Chelsea clearly it far more in their team, but I Suppose that the, the facts are that, that that is probably correct over the course of the last few seasons, but would it really make that much difference, do you think, for Jurgen Klopp?
0: Um,
1: I think so. I
0: forgot those sort of comments, and that sort of view is just water off a duck's back, really, isn't it? Um, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one. Obviously, I've read in your piece, course, too, that Chelsea have spent more on transfer than any team in Europe this century, which I think was a quite telling point but you know as soon as Abramovich came in Chelsea have just spent and spent and spent and spent and spent haven't they and obviously I feel like the transfer ban they got last year has almost been like a blessing in disguise especially you how their young players did and the fact they're able to spend in this market when clubs can go absolutely wild and challenge them for players like Havertz and Werner who Liverpool wanted obviously Um but yeah I, I don't think I don't think there needs to be any more needle between Klopp and Lampard after the last time they met when that Fracar on the on the touchline and and things like that. It's got got plenty going on this game without the need for transfer annoyance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw Lampard last week, I think it was, admitted that his sort of arrogance claims towards Klopp was something that he sort of regretted a little bit. I think probably rightly so. But, Gusty, do you think this will increase the rivalry or do you think this will just be something that maybe fans talk about and the two clubs, the two sets of players probably won't get that by it?
2: I think, I think it will be more of a fan thing on it, particularly the, the stuff about transfers. I think the players are too bothered, are they? Um, but, yeah, I think there will be a, a little little bit this weekend because there was that little moment, wasn't it, on the touchline around the field in, in July and words um, would exchange that. And Klopp actually said at the time, you know, he's, he's not bothered about anything like that as long as theys on the pitch and it's all done with a full time, which... I've said it wasn't fun hard when he carried it on and, and he explained why he got in such a you know such a mood about that exchange um, but obviously a come out since and said that feels a bit embarrassed about, about that, you know what he said and, and the way it kind of transpired so um, he's kind of tried to dampen it down a little bit but I still think it'll, there'll be a little bit of um, touchline needle this weekend which is you know obviously an extra ingredient
1: yeah, it's a, a nice thing for us to be able to, to talk about at least Connor going into that match but as Goursti said we saw Liverpool play uh, not that long ago actually against Chelsea and it was a fantastic game so you probably did not need the, the fire stoked any more than it ordinarily would be. No, certainly not. Um, I think the
0: game will be a spectacle because you're going to have Werner against Liverpool you're going to have the Stars on show the Havertz and Ziyech if he's back uh, and you have Salah Mane I mean, obviously all going at it but Obviously, we'll come to preview Chelsea on Friday's pod, but they're going to be such a different test than Leeds. they have some serious attacking quality and that defence will need to be better, won't it? But, yeah, I don't think they need any more just because of the talent on show, the what it means, the recent rivalry, but quite fierce rivalry with Chelsea, you know, going back in the Champions League and, and the things like that. So, yeah, it's got a lot to get this game.
1: Yeah, and it's the first opportunity tonight to see a few of those new faces for Chelsea. Connor, how much do you... Looking forward to, to seeing one or two of these new players arrive in the Premier League. Timo Werner, of course, being one of them. Yeah,
0: very much so. Obviously, Liverpool fans and Liverpool Twitter and Liverpool journalists got quite excited about Werner, looked at Werner, assessed Werner, put tactics at Werner, put Werner in the Liverpool team, wrote umpteen stories about Werner, convinced Werner was coming to Anfield. So, yeah, I am very excited to see him play just because, you know, he looks a real talent, he looks like a real goal scorer, proper proper centre-forward um, and he's going to be exciting. Kai Havertz, another one, they call him the, the crown prince of German football. Here will be another really exciting player coming. But I'm just hopeful it takes a while for them to settle more than two weeks at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, of course, there'll be uh, only one name at the top of the Twitter trends tonight. Timo Werner, one way or the other, is probably going to make a few heads. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I am looking forward to seeing Chelsea this season, but it feels weird to say that because Chelsea have obviously, you know, the big rivals for the last fifteen years or so, haven't he? So, um, and I, I think I think think Havertz is the one I'm most excited to, to watch regularly because seen quite a lot of him and kind of know what he's about, but I haven't seen as much as Havertz and um, heard so much about him. So uh, looking forward to seeing how, seeing how he, he gets on. All 35 46 year forty-six-year-old Diego Silver at the back, and see how he kind of adapts to the Premier League. Keeper in goal. Sorry? And Kepper in goal. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, he doesn't be to be um, the, the first choice for Chelsea fans at the moment, does he? He hasn't really pushed on as, as they expected when he spent 71 million um, for him two years ago. So um, it's going to be an interesting this season, I'm for um, looking forward to watching tonight and obviously I hope they, they have a, an off night uh, on Sunday.
1: Yeah, lining up against Chelsea tonight, of course, is Ben White as well from Brighton. I know he's a player that you've reported that Liverpool have looked at in the past, and I wrote a piece over the weekend after the, the Leeds match sort of saying how impressive Leeds journalists and, and Leeds fans had been with him when he was on loan there last season. I suppose he's one for Liverpool fans to keep an eye on well. Yeah, um, I was told that he was uh,
2: extensively scouted across much of last season from Liverpool and someone that they were looking at and then obviously the whole situation happened and he said there's new, there's new contract with Brighton isn't it? I think there's there's a kind of understanding there that Liverpool will kind of continue just, just to keep an eye on, on how he gets on in the in the Premier League, his first full season in, in the Premier League and and take it from there. I think the fact that Leeds was sold out to get him a thirty million bid rejected tells you how highly rated he is at Brighton and and you know obviously selling Shane Duffy he's gonna come and Slot into
1: that, that position and, and will be a regular all season, you would imagine. Yeah, certainly. So, Adam Lallana likely to be another debutant in that game, of course, for Brighton. Um, Connor, are you expecting him to, to start tonight? And how excited are you to see what he can do? Because, you know, Liverpool fans know how good he can be. And it's a, a big opportunity for him.
0: Yeah, definitely. Look, I mean, Adam Lana came out and said that he was absolutely devastated living in Liverpool. He said he, that he, he cried. He made James Milner cry. Um some really interesting comments there. He's obviously really well-liked around Liverpool, really well with Philip Melwood, one of Klopp's favourite players, I would, I would guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm pleased for him, really. I'm pleased he's got a move to a Premier League club and I'm expecting to do really well. I mean, he's very decent quality. We know how well he is. He's got great feet, he's on the turn and he'll he'll be a wonderful asset for them because he'll bring a, a much-needed class to their midfield.
1: Yes, absolutely. Certainly yeah, a game to keep an eye on tonight, then Chelsea's visit to Brighton. But we will, of course, be back with a preview of Liverpool's game against Chelsea on Sunday on Friday's Blood Red podcast. Plenty more content to come between now and then too, of course. But for now, from myself, Paul Ghost and Connor, Dunn, until next time here on the Blood Red channel, it's good for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.